give it up for that. So I'm encouraged and excited to be here today. Uh, I'm a son of this church. I remember being here before any of this, or and, and most of y'all, I don't know who y'all are at all. Um, so I'm encouraged to be here today to bring God's word. And um, I'm just really, really excited. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit uh, anxious three services. Y'all, y'all doing it over here. We got, we got one in Camden. I mean, I'm... I don't even know what to do with myself, so I'm going to pace myself a little bit, do a little, little jumping jacks later, and we'll be fine. So, all right, so I'm going to jump right in and um, bring the Lord's word before you today. Um, I'm going to be reading, you're accustomed to stand as you read, so I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 11, starting in the 20. Eighth verse, and then I'm going to jump over, not right now, but later, I'm going to jump over to Genesis chapter 25. So you can just stay in Matthew 11. Actually, I'm going to start at the 27th verse. And these are the words of Jesus. He says, all things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you Lord, for this occasion, Lord, another opportunity to give praise to your holy and matchless name. Father, I pray, Lord, that uh, the words spoken today, Lord, will be your words. Father, hide me under the shadow of the cross. Father, I pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be acceptable to you. Bless our time today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You can take your seat. So there is a particular movement afoot in our culture today, <clears throat> one that would call us to uh, care for our particular needs other than the needs of others. And this movement is known as the self-care movement. Uh, and it strives to address everyday uh, life with simple and practical habits for you to uh, find ways to better yourselves and, and calm your stress level and things like that. And clinically speaking, uh, self-care has to do with everything that somebody might do in order to relieve stress, like getting a good night's sleep or, uh, or exercising, eating right. Um, and, but functionally, we've, we've sort of transitioned in our culture to see uh, this self-care movement become more about stress management of, our, of ourselves and becoming recentering ourselves uh, on our world versus the world around us. And oftentimes we see and hear things like, you know, I just got to take some time for me. You know, I just need some me time and I'm just going to, you know, I can't be worried about nobody else and what they're doing because, listen, child, I, I, I got me to worry about, me and mine. 
So, you know, we hear that kind of talk in our culture, and, you know, it, 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 it seems to be as if we want to be more focused on ourselves than focused on the needs of others. So, you know, we get, we, we're trying to get to, uh, you know, love us again, you know, that kind of stuff. We want to learn more about me and just growing in me and those kinds of things. And that's fine. I'm not particularly referring to, you know, caring about your humanity because we all need to do that. We all need to be concerned about our humanity, you know, bathing, those kinds of things, you know, brushing your teeth, all that kind of stuff. You got to be worried about you in that sense. Please worry about yourself. Um, but I, I, what I'm referring to here is, is the sense where we re- refer to, we, we focus on our own will and our own personal desire and our own personal preferences. So that's what I'm talking about today. So I'll, I would bring a title today. It would be Take Care. Take Care. Now, care is an acronym that I'm going to walk us through. Um, so my first today is the first thing you want to do if you want to take care is first you must come. Jesus says here in the passage, he says in verse 28, come to me, all who labor. Now this coming to him, the the word there, in in the Greek, it's like a, a powerful interjection. It's not like, you know, come over here when you get a chance. It's come now. Jesus is saying, come to me now. Don't wait. Don't, don't, don't finish up your hair and braid and don't, don't finish up in the barber chair. No, come now to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. And that coming is, is three ways. It's positionally. Uh, it has to do with our identity. We are in him. Therefore, we come to him. Secondly, it refers, it's, it's practical. It refers to our obedience in him. Because we are in him, we come to him because he calls us. We don't just get to wait and decide that we're going to come when we feel like it. We come when he calls us. Like, you know, when the streetlight used to come on, you knew you had to be in the house or your mom was going to get you. So this, this is like the streetlight coming on. You better come because you see them lights coming on. And don't let your mama get to the place where she got to call you. Because you're going to be in a whole world of trouble if mama got to call you from, from the backyard in the screen. You're going to be in trouble. So then we see it, it, it has to do with proclamation. This is missional. We come out of mission. We come because we're responding to the call of God. We come to him when he calls us. Now, interestingly enough, this comes after, right after chapter 10, where Jesus had sent out his disciples. He sent them out to heal the sick, to, to cast out demons, to raise the dead, and to go into the cities and, 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 and call people to a relationship with Jesus. So after they did all that, he gives a, a woe to the cities that didn't follow the instructions of the disciples and didn't heed to the call that he had placed on them. So now we see Jesus inviting his disciples back and saying to them, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. He's calling them out from a place and into a place. He's calling them from working to rest. Now, you see, the the self-care movement, the closest that it comes to getting the gospel right is is that it tells you to stare at something that's bigger than yourself. They say things, I I spent a lot of years as a mental health therapist, um, and I told people to do this stuff, as part of their self-care plan. So one of the things we would tell them is, hey, watch the sunrise. Cool. 
I like the sunrise. Watch the sunrise. Go hike in the woods. Now, I'm from Camden. I'm not hiking in nobody's woods. <laughs> I'm not doing it. I saw the revenant, and that, that bear not going to get me. He's not going to do that to me. Um, you know, go to the beach. You know, we, we do that. My family and I, we love to go to the beach. And, um, you know, it says, take a country drive. I love to hop in my 97 Nissan Maxima and drop the sunroof back and just ride down. Y'all were supposed to laugh at that. You know what I mean? My Maxima is, is, is rolling with me. It's been with me forever. So, uh, you know, or it tells us, watch the sunset. You know, do stuff like that. Each of these is an effort to put you in front of something that's bigger than yourself for long enough that you forget yourself. Y'all ain't hearing me. Those are an effort to put you in front of something that's bigger and grander than you are for long enough that you forget about your raggedy self. So these strategies hint at the gospel because, listen, the sensations that we feel gazing at the bigness of creation begin to point us to and uncover the God-sized cavity within us that, that is beneath our stress and anxiety. You're following me? So Romans 1.20 tells us, it says, For the invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have clearly been perceived uh, um, since the beginning of creation and the beginning of the world in the things that have been made, so that they are without an excuse. So we have to take this invitation from Jesus to come, we must take that seriously because we're without an excuse. If we just look at his creation, if we just look at his hand and the things that he's done in our life, we can begin to see, I don't have no space to say, nah, I'm going to come later. We got to come when he calls us. And you see, counterculturally, we, we've shifted the focus from focusing on things that are bigger than ourselves to focusing on us. We shift our focus. We no longer focus on something outside. We focus on ourselves. Now, the next thing that you need to do if you want to take care, so care is an acronym. The first, you need to come. Somebody say come. come. Next, you need to assess. So say assess. So it's, we need to assess the weight of our labor. We need to, listen to this, we need to be laboring in order to be called upon to receive rest. Jesus called his disciples from laboring in chapter 10 of casting out demons and healing the sick. He called them from that to rest. He didn't call them from just chilling and finding themselves to rest. He called them from laboring and working in the field to rest. Now, if we're leaning towards being heavy laden, we need to take assessment of our lives. So, labor here, it, it, it means to grow weary, to grow tired, to, to be exhausted. So, all of those who are worn out and exhausted from laboring uh, uh, get to call. Not those who are worn out from, my term, lazying. You need to be laboring and not lazying. We in Camden, we've got a bunch of dudes in the hood who just tired all the time. I'm like, bro, you ain't got no job. What you tired for? Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just, you know, I'm out here, Pastor Derek. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to do me. You know what I mean? I'm trying to figure out my situation. You need to get a job. That's what you need to do. You need to figure that out. 
I mean, they are just, I mean, they're just so tired and exhausted all the daggone time. I'm like, hey, man, you're supposed to come to church. Where was you at? Man, I was asleep, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, man, I was just tired. I'm, I'm, you ain't got no job. How are you tired? And then you got the other side, the other dudes who, in stressful seasons, when things are getting tight for them, uh, they treat sleep and proper nutrition and exercise and emotional refreshment as something that they can just skip. Y'all know who I'm talking about? These hood jokers talking about some team no sleep. You know what I'm saying? Team no sleep. Vamp life. All that. <laughs> sleep when I'm dead. You know? Sleep's a cousin of death. All that stuff. No, you're going to die if you don't chill out. That's what's going to happen. So we see them working and hustling and trying to make things happen and create things on their own, and they are not participating in the rest that God has for them. They're either on one end of the spectrum. They're either lazying or they're trying to hustle. Neither of these are appropriate actions. Neither of those. So next he says, come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden. Heavy laden is to place a burden upon someone. It's to load somebody with a, a, a burden that's bigger than they are. So if you are a Christian, you ought to be heavy laden with the burden to see lost souls in your neighborhoods and your families be transformed as a result of the Great Commission. You ought to be laden with that burden to see people come to know Jesus. The disciples were out there proclaiming the name of Jesus and casting out demons and healing the sick and whatnot so that people would come into a relationship with Jesus. They weren't out there doing that for their own glory. They were out there doing that to bring people into relationship with Jesus. So check this out, y'all. That's why we plant churches. Because we have a burden that has been placed upon us, a burden that's bigger than ourselves, is laden upon us. We're heavy laden by that. That's why we live in discipleship and walk in life in our life groups and our DNA groups, because we've been placed with a burden that's bigger than ourselves. We need to be making disciples. If you're a Christian in here today and you're not making disciples, I want you to, to shift your focus towards making some disciples. Mark Dever says it like this. He says, we, name, we may not be his disciples if we are not laboring to make disciples. So we need to get off of our high horse or our lazy horse, our lazy boy, and think we can just go to work and come home and chill and build our own kingdom when we need to be focused on building the kingdom of God. Next thing that you need to do if you want to take care, so first you come, then you assess, and then you rest. See, check this. The Lord will give us rest. After we come to the Lord, first, because he's called us, we come, and after we take assessment of our laboring, we don't get to come and rest if we're not out laboring. So after we've taken an assessment of that, then we get to rest. I've heard it said, work hard, rest hard. There's no in between. 
So you're either laboring for God and working and making disciples or you're resting in him. So when he says, I will give you rest, that giving rest is to permit one to cease from their labor. So the, the Greek prefix here is, is anna, which, which, which would say to in the midst of. That's what that prefix is telling us, is in the midst of. So, and that differs from, from another Greek word for, that tells us that you go without in order to rest. But this rest is within. So in the midst of your laboring, in the midst of your struggling, in the midst of your, of your suffering, you will find rest in Jesus. So we rest in the midst of our labor. We don't go outside of our laboring in order to rest. How do I know? The cross was Jesus resting in the Lord. If, if he had avoided the cross, he would have been resting outside of the Lord. That's why we see him going through so much in the garden and crying out to the Lord. But him going to the cross is him resting in the Lord. And we look at our stressful situations, we look at our own personal crosses, and we say, listen, I got to get up out of here. I can't deal with this. This is messing up my mental. I can't do this right now. We try to get away from the situation, but that is escapism. That is not resting in the Lord. If you need to go to some deserted island, I'm not mad at you going to the island, but if you need to go to some deserted island to rest in Jesus, you are in trouble. If you need to, 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 to remove yourself from everyday life in order to find rest in Jesus, you are in trouble. You need to be resting in Jesus. So he says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Then he says, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. There is no taking unless we first come to him. We can't take his rest if we haven't come to him when he's called us for rest. Check it. Even if you've tried to rest outside and outside of Christ, resting in Christ, you're still exhausted. Anybody ever go on a vacation and come back and been dog tired? I mean, listen, you go on vacation, you think, listen, I'm going to disconnect from the world. We're going to be out here on this beach, you know what I'm saying, get the beach body ready and all that. But you're going to come back and you're going to be tired. Now, how is that? How are you so tired from coming back from resting? If you're not resting in Jesus, if you're not resting in his salvation, if you're not resting in his, in, in, in his, in his sanctifying work in your life, then you're going to be exhausted. You're going to be worn the heck out. So, listen, people need to understand that the Lord gave us 24 hours in a day in order to be able to do everything that he's calling us to do. So if you're frazzled by busyness, uh, you're going to need to examine closely your priorities. If you're just busy all the time, you can't take nobody's phone call because you're busy. You can't come to life group because you're busy. You can't come to church on Sunday because you're busy. You can't have dinner with nobody during the week because you're busy. You can't read your Bible because you're too busy. You can't pray because you're too busy. 
you got to get up and get your day started and run straight out the door because you're too busy. You need to take an examination of your priorities. If Jesus gives us enough time in the day to be able to take care of everything that he has called us to do, and you're overly busy, you're suspect to me. Like, I'm looking at you funny. If you, ah, man, it's just not enough hours in the day. Oh, so the God of creation didn't know that how to make time in a particular set so that you could be able to do everything that you needed to do. So you're bigger than the God of the universe. You know more than he does. Okay, I'm, listen, I'm going to stand over here while you're doing that. Because if that's what you think, if that's the kind of stuff that you say and think to yourself, then you're, you're mistaking yourself. So if we're not working, then we're not going to get the rest. But also, if we're not resting properly, it's also because we're not working properly, we're self-worshiping. We worship ourselves at the altar of busyness. Busyness is about having our lives structured around people desiring to have our lives. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, look at him, man. He's got so much going on, man. I mean, he's, he's just so busy. I mean, he's got all these speaking engagements, and, you know, he's going on all these appointments. Man, I just wish, man, I just wish I had, like, one of those kind of appointments. But little do they know that that guy is just working so that people can look at him and envy him. They're looking at him. He wants people to look at him and wonder how they can get to his life, you know, because there's levels to this. They want to figure out how they can obtain that particular level. Busyness is structured around having our priority be on our kingdom and not God's kingdom. Check this out. He says, take my yoke upon you. He didn't say, take Derek's yoke upon him. He says, take my yoke upon you. Now, he's offering us his yoke. The yoke is, is, is his balance. A yoke was a, was a pair of scales. So Jesus is offering to them his balance. He's offering to them his, sca- his scale on life. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. We have to learn to rest fully in Jesus. And next thing you need to do, if you want to take care, is you need to experience. So first you need to come, say come. Then you need to assess, say assess. Then you need to rest, say rest. The last thing you're going to do is experience, say experience. When we take the Lord's joke upon us, we get to experience him. We will learn of his character. Because he tells us, he says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. And then he says, my yoke is easy or manageable, and my burden is light. In order for us to learn of him, the word there is to learn by use or practice. So if we are not in the practice of the presence of Jesus, if we're not getting down on our knees before Jesus, if we're not putting our face down into his word and hearing what he has to say to us, then we're not experiencing him. 
we come to him situationally. We say, Jesus, I'm going through something right now. I need you to take care of this. We come to him philosophically. You know, Jesus, you know, man, my wife, you know, I'm looking for this girl, right? And you know what I'm saying? I need her to be this tall and you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, all this. We try to do that philosophically. We want to come to him. But he's saying, come to me practically. Come experience me. We know how to do that because we do it when we get in a bind. When we get in a bind, we, Jesus, Jesus, come, Jesus, I need you to come in the room right now, Jesus. I'm struggling, Jesus. Come help me, Jesus. We know how to do that. But when it's just about communing with him, when it's just about experiencing him, we lose our minds. And, you know, it just becomes, you know, I'm just trying to get me together. You know, I can't be worried about nobody else. It's just, you know, it's, I need some me time. So he tells us that he's gentle and lowly in heart. He defers to us. You know, we never find when we're in a bind and we run to Jesus, we don't ever find him just shirking us off and giving us the cold shoulder. Even, listen, if you only called me when you needed something, I'm probably not going to answer your phone call. I'm probably not going to do it because I know that this joker only calling me because they need a ride or they need some money. So if I know that about you, I'm not going to answer your call. But Jesus is not like that with us. He knows that when we are in a situation, we forget about him. But when we come to a situation and we need him, we run to him. And guess what he does? He receives us with open arms. Even though we've wowed out and even though we've, we've, we've dissed him and we've played him out, he still receives us with open arms. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So now I'm going to transition us to Genesis chapter 25, and I'm going to show us what it looks like when we don't take care. See, the care that you really need is buried somewhere It's not buried somewhere deep down inside of you, like the self-care movement tries to tell you. You just got to get down with yourself and meditate and, you know, feel the trees and the the breeze and all that stuff. The, The rest, the care you need is not deep down inside of you somewhere. Deep down inside of you is sin. Deep down inside of you is a wicked and dirty and despicable heart. That's what's deep down inside of you. So the care you need is not deep down inside of you. It's outside of you. It's not waiting to be unlocked inside of you. You know, I just got to unlock my potential. You know, I just got to free myself from all the stuff that's going on around me. If I do that, then I'll be all right. That's not, that's not what the care we need. Listen, only someone stronger than you, uh, only someone bigger than you, and only someone who's more potent than you can address your needs for care. You can't do that yourself. So turn to Genesis 25, and I'll just read, uh, starting in verse 29. He says, once, when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field, and he was exhausted. And he said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew. Some translations say, give me some of that red stuff. For I am exhausted. 
Therefore, his name was called Edom, because it was red. Jacob said, nah, listen, first sell me your birthright now. And Esau said, I am about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. So we see Esau here. He had been laboring out in the field. He had been working hard out there, doing what he did out there in the field. And he came in exhausted. Now, he came in exhausted. He's like many of us. We're out working, trying to make our lives work for ourselves. We're trying to, trying to build up our kingdom and do everything that we need to do for us. We're like him. So we were out there doing that. Then he came in from the field and saw his twin brother just chilling. He saw his twin brother just chilling, cooking up in the pot, stirring up something, you know. It was smelling good to him. So he's walking in. He's like, yo, what, what is that? Like, that looks so good. Man, how come he just chilling? I'm out here sweating, working in the field. What's going on? He got envious. He allowed envy to enter his heart because of his exhaustion. He's like us. You know, we see people doing better than us. And we think, oh, man, like, how they get that? How, how they drive that car? Oh, man, shoot, I'm working nine to nine. I don't got a car like that. We see that, and in our exhaustion and our weariness, we allow envy to creep into our hearts. So then Jacob, that old crafty joker, he goes and tricks his brother. He says, listen, I see you exhausted. I see you tired. You know, come on. I, I'll give you some of this too. But first, sell me your birthright. Literally, give that over to death to me. We give up on what God has promised us when we're exhausted and tired of waiting. We pursue after entertainment instead of being edified by the body. You know, it's easy for us to just chill on our couch and watch Netflix and watch reruns and not come and be edified by the body. We give up on intimacy for the, the, the most close and comfortable joker that's around. We say, you know, I, I'm waiting on God to bless me with somebody, but, you know, they right there. So I'm just going to go ahead and go with them. I, I, I'll take them for a second. We give up on true intimacy for pornography. We do that. And see, he's telling him to sell him his birthright. And listen, Hear his response. Esau says, I'm about to die, man. I don't care about that. Let me get some of that stew. He did not take care or he did not rest in the fact that God had promised him something. In Deuteronomy 21, we find out that the birthright was a double portion. Listen, y'all, he gave up a double portion for, for what, what it says here. Give me some of that. It, it, it means give me a swallow of that. 
He was willing to give up his double portion in order to just get a swallow or a small taste of something that somebody else had. And we do the same thing. He says, sell me your birthright now. And Esau says, I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? So he tells him to swear to me right now. And then he went and sold him his birthright and gave up the double portion that God had promised him because he was the firstborn. Just gave it up. So then the passage tells us something very interesting here. It says that Esau despised his birthright. That means, some, some say that that means that he trampled it under his feet. He just walked all over the thing that God had for him in order to get something that he had declared would be better for him than the thing that God had appointed for him. And we do the same thing. We despise, listen, don't despise your birthright for a piece of bread and some stew when Jesus promises us a feast of fellowship and eternity. Don't despise your birthright for a piece of something, something when, when, when Jesus has promised you eternal intimacy with him. Don't despise your birthright to serve yourself and don't despise, uh, 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 don't despise your birthright for shiny cars and fancy homes when Jesus has promised you eternity when you can walk on streets that are paved with gold. Don't despise your birthright. Don't despise the thing that God has promised for you. Do not trample under your feet the thing that God has given to you and the thing that he has given to his believers, the things that he's given to those that trust in him. He says, come to me. All who are laboring and worn out and tired and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Don't give up on what God has promised for you. He's promised you his rest. He says, come enter to my rest. He wants us to come to him and be comfortable in him, be comfortable in our position in him and rest in him. Don't give up on what God has promised you for a piece of bread and some stew. Amen. Father, thank you for your word, Lord. Sharper than any two-edged sword, Father. Father, I pray, Lord, that, uh, that your word today would be sanctified and Lord, that your word today would reach deep down into people's hearts, Lord. And, and, and if there's one in here today that doesn't know you, Father, I pray that they would accept the invitation to come and be his disciple, to come and be his follower. Father, I pray, Lord, for those that know you today that are struggling, Father, I pray that you would comfort them. Father, I pray that you would open their eyes to the reality that you have given them something that's far greater than anything that they could conjure up on their own, and that is your rest. In Jesus' name, amen.